Imagine with me, if you would, a face-to-face meeting with God. I mean, where your eyes lock onto his and his eyes lock into yours. And you feel loved like you've never felt loved. And he says to you anything he wants to say to you, and you say to him anything you want to say to him, because right now everything else in the world is locked out. You've got a face-to-face, one-on-one with God. You think that's ever going to happen? Well, take a look at the side screen. Psalm 17, David said, because I am righteous, I will see you. When I awake, I will see you face to face and be what? Well, let's break it down. Because I am righteous. Any righteous people in here? Uh, yeah, that would be all of you that know the Lord is your personal Savior. You say, well, I didn't know if I fell into that category. Well, you do. You do. David murdered a man, slept with different women. David was a mess. But he referred to himself as righteous. Why? Because of his relationship with God. If you have a relationship with God through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're righteous. Righteous means in right standing with. That's all it means. So you are in right standing with God, who God said, I bring no condemnation on you. Other people might condemn you, but because of all the sin you've ever had in your life, your relationship with Jesus washes it all clean. So there's no condemnation for those of you that are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you and me, God says, we're all right righteous. He said, because I am righteous, I will see you. When I awake, well, wait a minute, thought I was awake. When I say good night down here and good morning up there, when I awake, I will see you face to face and be what? I've never really been satisfied down here. And the older I get, the more I feel like this ain't home. The more I feel like the United States isn't the United States that I remember when I was younger. The more I get older, the more I realize that when I get to heaven, oh my goodness, heaven is going to be the thing that satisfies me. Have you ever noticed that things only satisfy you temporarily here on earth in your body? Have you ever noticed that? Get a new truck. I get a new F-150. Woohoo! I am satisfied with this truck until I see another guy driving by in an F-150 with a Harley Davidson package in it. And then I'm like, I don't know now. But finally, when we get to heaven and we're in the presence of God, living in perfect bodies, sinless, satisfied, can you imagine a face-to-face meeting with God? Hmm. Well, what if it could happen now? What if it could happen today? What if this week you got a call from an angel and it said, all right, 9 o'clock Tuesday morning, one-on-one, you and God, get ready with your answers, get ready with your questions, here we go. What would you ask him? What would that one-on-one meeting be like with you and your creator, Heavenly Father? What would it be like? Well, I'll tell you what it might be like with me. First of all, I'd, I'd tell him thank you. I'd spend some time at his feet, you know, just hugging on him and loving him and, and telling him thanks. I'd thank him for Jesus. I'd thank him for salvation. I'd thank him for at the age of 12, somebody taught me in a way where I could understand it that I had to have a relationship with Jesus to go to heaven, that he's my only way to get there. The good's never going to outweigh the bad. We're not going to get there and put up scales, and Hooper's going to make it based on the fact he was better, he was good more than he was bad. No, I'm glad somebody explained to me that I had to know Jesus as my Savior. By faith, I had to ask him in my heart to save me. I would thank him for Jesus. I would so thank him for saving me at the age of 12 and knowing me better than anyone and still wanting to do eternity with me. I would thank him. I would thank him. I would thank him for blessings. I would thank him so much for his protection. I would thank him so much for his rescuing this idiot over and over again. I would thank him. Oh, I would thank him. And then I'd ask him, I'd ask him about heaven. 
I mean, you know, because like as we get older and this doesn't feel like home anymore, I'd have some questions about heaven. I, I'd ask him what my dad's been doing, you know. I mean, I hadn't seen him for a while, Lord. Was, Father God, what, what's he, has he been running around heaven telling all these corny jokes to everybody he could stop and would listen to him? Has he been doing, my sister died with breast cancer in her 50s, and she got to heaven. Did, did he meet her at the gate? And what did that look like when they embraced each other at the gate of heaven? I mean, come on, God, tell me about that. You got a snapshot of that one? I'd love to see it. I'd ask him about heaven. And then I'd ask him, I think what you'd ask him, how much longer are we going to be here? I mean me, God. Do I got another 10 years? How about five? Do I got 20? Got 20 left in me? How about 30? I mean, some of you would say, God, do I, you going to give me 50 more? 50 more years? Because I would tell God, I would reason with him, I'd say, because if you told me, I'll put it on a calendar. The day I'm leaving this earth and going on to be, because I think it might be great motivation for me to know I only got five years and four months and three days. I wouldn't waste a one of them. If you'd just tell me, I wouldn't be an idiot, you know, spend them. Or, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that might motivate me if you would tell me, how many more years do I have left? And, and then with those years I have left, God, what do you want me to do with them? How do you want me to live them? How do you want me to spend them? Advise me. Advise me, please. Because you created me, because you know me better than anyone, because you knit me together in my mother's womb, you made me like no other person on this planet. There's not another 56-year-old man with my same DNA or my fingerprints that's ever been alive. So there's no other model that I can go to, even somebody that's ahead of me by five or ten years, and ask them how I'm supposed to do this thing, because there's no one else on this planet exactly like me. You made me unique. So you, my creator, my heavenly father, the one who loves me, the one who knows what's inside of me and outside of me, you advise me. I'll be all honest with you. In my life, I've gone to a lot of people for advice who didn't have enough wisdom that I had in that area where I was asking them to advise me. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked somebody stupid to give you advice? You just didn't know they were stupid until they started opening their mouth, and you know, well, what am I thinking? Well, here's God, and God's saying, I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you what to do. And God, the reason why I'm coming to you is because you created my body. You created my soul. You created my spirit. God created you body, soul, and spirit. Your body, and your body, your body gives you world consciousness. Your body keeps you in touch with this world, touch, taste, smell, sight. In your body, you have world consciousness. God gave you that. Your soul, in your soul, you have self-consciousness, psyche, the word psychology. The Bible says God breathed into man, and he became a living soul, the Bible says. A soul aware of himself. Plants do not have souls. They're not aware of themselves. They have no feelings. They have no emotions. You can cut them, and it doesn't make any difference to them. But man has a soul. We have a mind, we have emotions, we have memory, we have affections, we have appetites, we have feelings. And that is our biggest battleground, our mind, our feelings, and our emotions. That's why you and I can handle anything that's going on on the outside as long as it does not get on the inside. That's why when something's going on in your life, Doug, I might say to you, man, I hear what's happening to you and it's a bad situation or whatever it might be, but then here's what I'm going to ask. How you doing? How you feel about it? Because it really is not important enough to know about what's going on around you because there's stuff going around all of us. The question is, how do you feel about that stuff going on around you? And if you can go, well, I went home last night and, you know, I made a dinner and lit a candle. And my wife and I sat on the back porch. It was such a pretty day. We watched the storm clouds roll in. And, man, we just had so much fun. Kicked on some music, man. And, I mean, woo, we just had a time last night. 
with all that stuff going on around you? Oh, yeah. Doesn't affect what's going on in here. See, but when you say, oh, no, wait a minute, now I feel depressed. Now I'm sad. Now I'm lonely. I'm angry about that. I'll tell you right now. Oh, now you've let the things on the outside get on the inside of your what? Your soul. And that's the biggest battleground that you and I face. You can handle it. A ship can go through the water. It can be in the water. As long as the water doesn't get inside the ship, you can go through a circumstance. As long as you don't let the circumstance get inside your soul, your mind, your feelings, and your emotions. God created you, your body, for world consciousness, your soul. For self-consciousness, he created your spirit for God consciousness. The Bible says, for God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you know him in your spirit. You may express that knowledge of him and your love for him in your body, but you came to know him in your spirit. That's how you come. You can walk into a room and sense or feel his presence in that room. Not your body feeling it. Not your soul feeling it. It's your spirit feeling it. Have you ever walked into a room and sensed evil within that room? Have you ever done that? Okay. The same way you walk into a room and you sense God's presence in that room. Let me, let me say this. You know God in your spirit. And if you've never walked into a room and felt his presence, I would question you knowing him at all. Because the way you know God is in your spirit. And since, God, you are the only one that really understands all this stuff that I'm talking about, you're the only one that gets to speak into my life right now. You're the only one that gets to advise me. Everybody else can stand in line. God, I'm listening to you. I'm waiting on you. Advise me and tell me what you want me to do with the life that you have left. Well, are you ready? Here's two things. I think that if you had a face-to-face -face meeting with God, eyeball to eyeball, God would look at you and you would feel such incredible love coming back to you. He would tell you this. Number one, I'm going to take you old school, God would say. I'm going to take you back to Adam and when I created Adam. And I'm not going to tell you anything different. I'm going to tell you the first thing that I told the first man and the first woman that I put on this earth in the flesh. And here it is. Does anybody remember it? When God created Adam, God told Adam to be fruitful. Fruitful. Be fruitful, God said. I mean, before God said, thou shalt not this, and thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not murder, and thou shalt not wear plaid and stripes at the same time. Before God said, all these things you shouldn't do, God said, be fruitful. That's your purpose. The expectation of the almighty divine God is that you would be fruitful. Fruitful. Fruit. Let me break it down to a modern term. Fruit. Produce. Fruit. Produce. Produce. Productive. Be productive. Be productive. With every day that you breathe, be productive. The primary expectation of the God who created you is that you and I would be productive. Not that you would be rich, not that you would be famous, but that you would be productive. God said, this is the day that the Lord has made. And he said, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen, I don't know what else is going on today, but I'm going to produce some rejoicing, and I'm going to produce some joy within this day. I'm going to be productive. And this day is going to lead to tomorrow getting better because I was productive this day. Then I'm going to be more productive the next day, building off the production of the day before. And then God says, for a maximum life. Mm-hmm. To optimize your life for an abundant life, I need you to produce six days, and I need you to rest one. Produce six, 
Rest one. Oh, pastor, I got a 410 job. I work four days a week and I rest three. What? You must be smarter than God. You're smarter than God. God said, I made you. You produce six. You rest one. And not resting one is just as foolish as resting three. You produce six. Now, I didn't say you had to work for the same job eight, five, six days a week. I didn't say that. He said be productive. And sometimes productive is just going home and cleaning out that garage that she's been nagging you to clean out for the last four years. Be productive. Don't we? Look at you women in here. Don't be. It might be a project around the house. It might be helping out in the church. It may be taking on something in the children's ministry. But six days a week, you're productive. And one day a week, you Sabbath. You rest for an ultimate life, for a maximum capacity. Now, how many of you guys in here are over 60 years of age? Would you raise your hand if you're over 60? Come on. I know it's taking you a little time. Some of you are still working on it. Okay, few people over 60. And I know some of you are thinking like my mother. My mother's 86 years of age. She's been telling me she's 86 years of age for the last four years, so I don't know how old she is. But she said to me, she said to me, you know, my productive days are behind me. I said, no, they're not. That's a lie. That is a lie. God didn't say that you need to be as productive as you were when you were 20 or when you were 30. I'm going to be as productive as I can be at 56. That's not what the same as when it was 26. But you can be productive at every age, with every breath, with every day God gives you. I told my mom, I said, Mom, I said, do you pray for me? She goes, oh, yeah, I, I pray for you, son, all the time. You know I pray for you. I said, great, you pray for Anna? Oh, I pray for Anna. Pray for her all the time. I said, great, but mom, I said, that's wonderful. I said, you know, I call my mom. I literally call my mom three days a week. Three times a week, I'll call my mom. If I'm in the car and I'm going to pick up some, something at the store, I call her. And it may not be a long conversation. Hey, mom, how you doing? What are you having for dinner tonight? How's that weather? You got the hummingbirds showing up. You got some hummingbirds on the porch. Maybe all there is to it. But I'll call her. And if she calls me about something, I go, oh, hang up, mom. And I'll call her right back because I don't want it to be on her dime. I'll call her right back. But I'll talk to my mom, and every time I do, she's encouraging me. She's always saying something sweet to me. Oh, I watched that message online, and that was so cool. And, man, it's so cool to see what the church is doing. And she's on Facebook, and she's on computer at 99 years old or however old she is. She's still on that stuff. And she's telling me stuff. And bring, and I go, well, Mom, I said, are you praying for your grandson, Dan? Oh, I pray for Dan and Amelie all the time. They're so cute. They're so pretty. Oh, I saw Dan preaching last week online, and that church sure has a good pastor. Talking about Dan, my son. I go, well, finally. <laughs> she's getting senile in her old age. I said, finally. She's, oh, he's so sweet. I said, you know how much you encourage him? You know the encouragement you give to your family? Every time we talk to you, every time we're around you? I said, I said man, some, some of you that are up in age, you can't do what you used to do in your 20s. I'm going to tell you something. When the church sends you an email, you know, what you, you know what you can do with it? Just take that email and click forward and send that email to several family members. The church is doing a family series this fall, and you need to get there. And Man, it'll be so good for your marriage. Look at this series the church is doing in the fall. Click. Are you on Facebook? Oh, you've got to go to the church Facebook. You won't believe what they got for teenagers going on up there at the church. And you need to get that teenager. You know that teenager is smart and mouth, and you, you need to get them up there. 4640, you need to get them in there. And look at that. Click. To your last dying breath, you are to be productive. Productive. Well, I'm just sitting watching TV. Productive. 
product. My 17-year-old granddaughter, who uh, called me a, a couple of weeks ago, and she was uh, had some kind of assignment in school where she had to write a paper, a debate paper, debating a, one side of a topic, and she chose the topic of doctor-assisted suicides. Or if you have a loved one that's terminally ill and they're going to die anyway, would it be okay? Or what side do you line up on on whether it's okay for a doctor to assist them by giving them stronger medication to cause them to go to sleep and not feel as much pain and this, that, and the other? And I, and I guarantee you, the room in here right now would be split right down the middle. If you've ever had a loved one dying of a terminal illness and you would line up maybe on one side. If you had another loved one and you never had a loved one that did that, you might line up on the other side, Right? But anyway, she was talking to me about this. I was giving her some information, and we were going back and forth on it. And this is what I said. I said, here's the most important issue. The most important issue is, is that patient saved? Do they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Because the last thing they want to do is leave here early and hurry themselves on into hell if they don't know Jesus. So that's the number one issue. Do they know Jesus? Do they know him? Then number two, with every breath they have conscious in their body, they need to be productive until the day they leave here. You say, well, how can they do that if they're terminally ill? Can I tell you? Oh, a daddy going, oh, listen, oh, son. Son, I'm not going to be here much longer. My heart's giving out on me. The doctors say I only got a week or two. I, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be here to go hunting with you now, son. I'm not going to be hunting with you no more. Your daddy's leaving here. Your daddy's leaving. He's going home. He's going home. You can have my tools. You can have my Don't sell them, but you can have them. You can have them, but I got to know something, son. I got to know something. Are you coming? Are you coming? Am I going to see you in heaven? You're not going to leave me there without you, are you, son? Are you, son? And then a mama, a mama with her last dying breath saying, oh, baby, baby, come on now. I got to know something. You got to give your mama one last gift. I brought you into this world. I struggled through 15 hours of labor for you. You put me through a lot of pain. I got to know something as I'm leaving because I'm leaving. I'm dying. You know I am. I'm not coming out of this home. I'm not coming out of hospice. You know that. You know that. I got to know something. I got to know it. I got to know it. Are you coming? Are you coming? Will I see you there? Productive. There is nobody that has influence on this planet like an older mama and an older daddy. You can rattle some hard, hard old 45-year-old fart. I can't believe I said old fart, but old fart <laughs> who nothing else on this planet has shook until the day you almost die or you're dying and you say, baby, listen, don't you let me go to heaven without you. Productive. Productive produce every day not one of them wasted no matter how old you are and then the next thing God would tell you is this not only do I want you to take the rest of your life and be productive oh by the way by the way let me show you the power of productivity the power of coming together well here's what he says here's what he says he says the second thing I want you to do with being productive is to be in agreement with who? With me, God would say. I want you to be in full agreement with me. Now watch the supernatural power of agreement kick in. Notice with me on the side screen, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 19, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. You were not created to walk out this life alone. 
And who you connect with is vitally important to the kind of life that you are going to live. In the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Joshua, the Bible says, one shall chase a thousand and two shall chase 10,000. Now, wait a minute. That's pretty good in math when I was in school. Not very good in English, but that's pretty good in math. Now, if you can chase a thousand, right, as an individual, and you, you can chase a thousand as an individual. So I would think if you got together in agreement, one and one equals two in the natural. Here's the power of agreement. God says when two of his kids get together and agree, it goes from the natural to the supernatural. So you go from 1,000 level blessing. That was good. Real hard. I just got to give you all five on that one. All right. We try it again. Ready? I'm trying again. Come on, ready in unison. That's right. Oh, gosh, y'all messed it up. So here it is. If one and one equal two, why does one and one equal 10,000? You see, here's the thing. When you're in a marriage relationship, it is not about he's being a jerk. We can't talk about that. We can never agree on that. That's a conversation we just can't have anymore because he's just too hard at it. And she's in a mood. I'll tell you right now, she's in a mood. And we try to talk about that. And she every, every time she goes off on something, that, I just ain't talk, I'm not talking to her about that no more. And you think it's him and you think it's her. And the truth of the matter is you have an enemy who can't keep you as an individual from reaching a thousand level blessing. And can't keep you as an individual from reaching a thousand level level blessing. But if the enemy can separate you two from any issue he chooses, he can keep you from a 10,000 level blessing. Because when you agree, you enter into supernatural blessings that do not make sense any other way. Woo! The power of agreement. Are you guys married? How many years have you been married? 11 years. Okay, here's what, here, here's what I know about you two. I believe with all my heart, if you two agree, first 10% in our household goes to God. You're writing that check, baby, I already wrote it. Write a little offering over and above that, I already got it. Okay, it's like you're reading my mind. I know we're together. We're going to serve God. As for me and my house, we'll serve God. We're going to serve God. We're going to shake hands at the door, sing on the platform, work in the children's ministry. Yeah, we got, you got, what are you doing? That's what I'm doing. That's what. Okay, cool. I believe blessings all over you, blessings that will be all over your family. So the devil looks at you and goes, uh-oh, they're entering, uh, they're entering now into a source of blessings I cannot stop. So this is what the devil will do. He'll go in there and go, yeah, right? Any way he can with any topic he chooses or any hot button you have and it isn't about you and it isn't about you it's about what you two can produce together so he fights the agreement take a look at this first this is man this is so good I, I'm, I'm so so running out of time so running out of time Luke chapter 7 verse 29 the Bible said when they heard this all the people agreed Read it with me. Read it with me. When they heard this, that, oh my gosh. 
Can you imagine what would happen in our country if every citizen of our country agreed that God's way was right? Oh my gosh. The level of productivity of the United States of America would blow this world's mind. But instead, we got the liberals and we got the conservatives. And we got the Democrats and we got the libertarians and we got the Republicans. And we got these people who think this and these people who think that. And these people on this side and these people on that side. And the truth of the matter is, do you think that will ever happen for the United States? No. It won't. Oh, my gosh, if it did. No, it won't. Can you imagine what would happen then in our community if everybody in Grand Junction, 45,000 in the city limits, about 115,000, 120,000 in Mace County, can you imagine if everybody in our city or our county agreed God's way's right? That settles it, God's way's right. Oh my gosh, this city would be known around the world of the productivity that would come from here. Okay, that's not going to happen. It's not. Okay, what about our church? I don't know, we have four to 6,000, I guess, to call this place home. I, but what if just our church family, we came in agreement? Nobody doing their own thing. We're all in agreement. The tithe belongs to God. First 10% of our income to the Lord. We'd be out of debt in six months. Totally out of debt in six months. Everybody agreed. Everybody agreed to worship. We're here to worship. This is a house of prayer. We're all praying. Can I pray for you, Doug? What can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? This is a house of prayer. We're serving. I'm on the platform. I'm shaking hands at the door. I'm going to hospice. I'm visiting some people. We're all, we're all in agreement. Oh, God let that happen in my lifetime. That just our church family would agree. Just our church family. But what about if it doesn't? Could your family agree? Just yours. Like, hey, baby, that's for me and my house. We're going to serve God. That's for me and my house. We're going to tithe. That's for me and my house. We're going to worship. That's for me and my house. We're going to do what God wants us to do. That's for me and my house. We're just going to do life agreeing with God. That's it. Oh, my gosh. If you're a single person in here, would you raise your hand, please? Please. Now, if you're single, raise your hand. You ought to always raise your left hand. The showing no ring. Always do that. There you go. Always. <laughs> you're testifying. I'm testifying. Well, some of you are still single. You're not letting anybody know you're single. I'm single. Listen, you know I love you, right? You know I love you single people. You know I do. You know, you know, you know I pray for you. You know I get out in the... This is why I get all up in your business and try to play matchmaker with you because I, I love you. I love you, right? I love you. But here's what I want you to know. You should never marry an unsaved person. Never. Oh, my God, never. You say, why? Why? Because there will be no power in your union. God said, be not unequally, be not unequally yoked together. No power. Number one, it's a tremendous insult to an almighty God who you're supposed to love with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Everything else comes next. But there's no power in that union. You know when I left the house this morning, you know what Anna was doing? I walked through the master bathroom, and she was in there in her mirror, and She's fixing her hair and fixing her face. Not that she ever needs to fix her hair and her face. <laughs> come on. Come on right here. Not that she needs to. 
But she was. And you know what she's doing? She's singing worship music. And she had a radio on in the, in the bedroom and worship music blaring through the bedroom, through the master bathroom. And she was, she was just in there singing the worship music while she was putting on her makeup. I walk in there and I'm about to leave. And I said to her, baby, I said, will you pray for me this morning while you're getting yourself ready? She said, always do. Always do. Be not unequally yoked together. I know you get lonely. I know that. I, hey, 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 hey. I know you do. I know you see some guy and you think, whoo, he is driving one of those F-150s with a Harley-Davidson package. <laughs> that man looking good to me. I know it. I know it. Let me take it a little further. Don't even date one. Don't even date him. You see somebody and he thinks you got it going on and you think he's got it going on. First thing you need to come out of your mouth is I'm in agreement with God on sexuality, on whether we live together or not live together before we're married, on dating, on talking about what we talk about and where we go and how we date. I'm in, I'm in agreement with God. You need to know that. Well, I know, but how can I put a ring on it? Well, you ain't going to put a ring on it. You ain't going to put a coffee cup in front of it until you go to church and know my Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because I'm in agreement with God. Can I give you a life principle that really works well? There are so many crazy things that are happening in our world. There's so many stuff coming out of New, coming out of Hollywood, and these people here, and the people over there think this, and the liberals think that, and the conservatives are taking away on this side over this side. Listen, can I just share with you what would be a great answer for all of these issues, topics, and dilemmas that are coming up? In the day and age in which we live in, the Supreme Court says, this is okay, okay? What do you think about that, Hooper? Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with God. I mean, that's not the popular and that's not like politically correct. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I'm in agreement with God. I'm in agreement with God. What about this topic or that topic? And all of a sudden there's this, somebody's wearing a hat that used to wear, you know, baseball cap. Now they're wearing a woman's hat. And now they're talking about this. They used to be wearing man's pants. And now they're wearing women's dresses. And now we got it. And it's all in the news. And what do we, what do we say about that? I, I'm just in agreement with God. Well, what if God's silent? Well, then I'm silent. You know what the biggest trouble that us Christians get ourselves into? We try to speak to something that God's silent about. If God's silent about it, shut it. It's real easy just to go, I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, when I do know, I'm just going to be in agreement with God. Well, what if God feels this way about it, and he's narrow-minded, and it's not going along with today's culture? Well, then I'll be narrow-minded and not go along with today's culture either, because the bottom line is I'm just going to be in agreement with God, period. And the conversation goes like this, God, I'm going to be in agreement with you. And God says, about what? I go, there's no, nothing else to that sentence. I'm not going to be in agreement with you on some things, and I'm going to be in agreement with you. And God says, well, then if that's the case, you're going to agree with the creator of this universe. Your productivity, <laughs> bam, bam. And it certainly is an easy way to live. Wow. I'm out of time. Would you bow your heads with me? Just bow your heads just for a second. <clears throat> the Bible says, that make me very happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Everybody tithing, everybody serving, everybody worshiping, everybody inviting, everybody praying, everybody loving, everybody representing God.
in this community. I, uh, I think you guys are pretty special. I do. Honest, honest to God, I do. I love you. And I think you're pretty awesome. I do. But how much more could we be if we just stay in agreement? God said, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Never. Loyal to your Heavenly Father. Loyal to your Heavenly Father. Now, the also the word there was kindness. Did you see that? Kindness. We had a lady that I met after church a couple of weeks ago who was a lesbian. And as she walked out, she grabbed hold of me, my hand, and she very bluntly told me, I'm a lesbian. And I don't know how you feel about the latest Supreme Court decision, but I'm going on record to tell you I'm a lesbian. And I said, well, I love you. I love you. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And she wasn't expecting that. It totally disarmed her because she was expecting me to be mean to her. And this is what I told her, too. I said, I said, I'll bet you you've been treated like crap by a lot of Christians. Exactly what I said. Exactly what I said. A tear welled up in her face, and she said, yeah. And I said, I'm sorry. Sorry. But to follow that up, I will always be in agreement with God on one man and one woman in holy matrimony raising a family together in our United States of America. I will always, and around the world, I will always be in agreement with him. But I'll tell you, the, here, and I'll always be loyal to what he said about that. But here's the follow-up on that. I'll always be kind, too. I'll always be kind. Father God, we love you with all of our heart. And here today, we're telling you, we want every day of our life to be productive. We're going to produce some rejoicing and some joy around our house this afternoon. We're going to build off of it tomorrow. And God, we want you to know we are in full agreement with you. And when you're silent, we'll just be silent. If we don't know what you think, we just won't say what we think you might think. We'll just be silent. But God, know this. We're not agreeing with the new media. We're not agreeing with Hollywood. We're not agreeing with the liberals, the conservatives, the Republicans, the Democrats. We don't line up on any side. We line up in full agreement with you. And that will take us where we need to go. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Bye.